welcome to the Institute for Conservation Leadership podcast, a conversation about leadership, strategy, and collaboration. I am Kurt Thompson, and today we'll be talking with Kevin Brubaker, Deputy Director of the Environmental Law and Policy Center in Chicago. Kevin is also an alumni of ICL's leadership programs and is currently serving on the ICL board. We start out the conversation talking with Kevin about his early career and how he got involved with ICL. This is a rich conversation that really digs into why people are involved with the conservation community and why it's important to invest in people, something he describes as the most important asset of the movement. Kevin, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you've been in your career, how you get started in this field? Oh my gosh, I started in this field, I guess in college, was, is it goes all the way back that far, when I was a junior in college at Brown University. They actually made me choose a major, which at the time seemed uh, terribly unfair. Up to that point, I'd really been a kid at a candy store, just choosing the kind of courses that interested me. And somebody told me about environmental studies as a way to combine a lot of interests. So I graduated with a degree in environmental studies, which on paper meant that I had more courses toward my degree than any uh, degree candidate except an engineer. On the other hand, it was really just pulling together the things I liked. So it was really two-thirds of a biochemistry degree and two-thirds of a political science degree and a lot of other interesting stuff on the side. And when I graduated, I felt like I'd really sort of cheated the system, as it were, gotten a degree without really having to concentrate in a particular area. It wasn't a career choice. It was just the things that interested me. I then got an internship at Save the Bay in Rhode Island began working on issues of industrial water pollution. And lo and behold, that course uh, selection that had been so interesting to me turned out to be perfect background for this work. I really did need to understand things as varied as civics and politics and carbon chain pollutants and, you know, how, how the chemistry of these problems works. So it really felt like suddenly like this sense of vindication that the kinds of things that interest had interested me turned out to be perfect background for this work. And then I discovered that I liked the work and was good at the work. And almost 30 years later, here I am. I ended up staying at Save the Bay for about six years. I was then invited to join the administration of the Democratic governor of Rhode Island at the time as his senior advisor on environmental issues was promoted from there to his deputy chief of staff, where I was doing really sort of all areas of public policy except those involving people. So everything from, you know, economic development to environment. It was was wonderful. He lost a re-election campaign. I then went to Washington, D.C., where I worked for an organization, the Committee for the National Institute for the Environment. This was a group that at the time was trying to build a new government agency around the principle of removing the politics from environmental science research. Just as we have a National Institutes of Health, which is separate from health regulators, we ought to have a National Institute for the Environment separate from EPA. It was a fantastic idea, had a lot of momentum behind it, a lot of interests from academia, from the business and the environmental world. It was also, though, trying to create a new government agency at exactly the time that Newt Gingrich was shutting down government. So great idea, lousy timing. And so I went into work every day feeling like I was just running full steam into a brick wall. And so 
A couple of years in, when the opportunity arose to leave Washington, to move home to Chicago, and join the Environmental Law and Policy Center, I leapt at the chance. And 18 years later, here I am. I came to ELPC to work to develop high-speed passenger rail in the Midwest. I still do a little of that, but over time have accreted a bunch of additional responsibilities, and I now serve as deputy director, where I spend most of my time just, or not just, but I spend most of my time on keeping the place afloat, everything, all the operations side, everything from the finance to computers to personnel and uh, strategic planning and everything else it takes to keep any kind of a small business running. How did you come to learn about ICL? I would, about midway through my first uh, job at Save the Bay, I was invited to join Institute Con- for Conservation Leadership's week-long training retreat. It was, I think, the predecessor to what's now the Executive Director Training Program. It went by a slightly different title at the time. This was targeting mid-career environmentalists in in conservationists, primarily in the mid-Atlantic, New York, and New England area. And so I went, spent a week at Lake Raquette, New York, with about a dozen other people at various points in their careers, everything from uh, retired conservationists to a few youngsters like myself, surrounded by some of the best trainers I'd, I'd ever come across. It was a, in some ways a life-changing event. It gave me the, the intellectual framework for a lot of what I've learned since then. It's, it's not that I came out with any particular lesson, sort of, oh wow, here's how to, here's how to do things differently, but it gave me a framework, if that makes sense, sort of how to think about strategic planning, how to think about fundraising how to think about working with other people. Uh, and so much of what I've learned since then, I've been able to kind of fill in that framework to build on that tree that was, uh, that was presented to me at Lake Rockette by ICL. I still, believe it or not, this is at least 25 years ago, I still keep on my bookcase the handbook, that uh, the workbook that we worked with that week and occasionally still refer to it. That's amazing, actually. <laughs> In this digital world we live in, right? Well, yeah. yes. <laughs> if it was on a disc, I would have lost it by yeah, now. Exactly. But I can, I can keep track of a, of a notebook. Yeah, exactly. How long have you been on ICL's board? I've been on ICL's board for just over six years now. It's kind of funny. When Diane was in Chicago six years ago, she came to sit down with me, introduced herself, said she'd heard a lot about me, wanted to know if I'd be interested in serving on this board of an organization I'd probably never heard of. Uh, I just laughed and pointed over my shoulder to my Institute for Conservation Leadership diploma, which still hangs on my wall, and explained to her that I I knew the organization longer than she did, in fact. (laughs) And there it is. And And there it is. Prominently uh, posted in your office. Yes. That's awesome. What drew you to join the board? You know, why are you on the ICL board and from your own perspective? Well, as, as, I, as I said to you a few minutes ago, ICL really touched me at a, at a critical moment early in my career. And I've had the advantage then of seeing the benefits of that for a long period of time in myself. So sort of felt like it was time to give back a little bit. For me, it was also a, a nice challenge to look at a different organization. Much of my work day to day is thinking about how to run Environmental Law and Policy Center and to navigate the myriad challenges it faces. 
to ask the same questions in a board capacity at a different organization has uh, been a terrific learning for opportunity for me as well. So I'm able to give and I'm able to get. It's, it's, a, it's a great match. You know, looking forward, what do you think ICL needs to be looking at as trends come and go, you know, the issues of the day come and go? What should ICL be looking at in the future? I think what ICL has already figured out and does right is that it recognizes the importance of people power. Look, I mean, we in this business of protecting the environment, of changing public policy, we don't have factories. We don't have universities and hospitals and land. Our capacity is, is, is intellectual power, virtually nothing else. I mean, yes, there are parts of the, of the movement that are, that are landholders. And I don't mean to minimize that, but by and large, this is a movement of, of intellectual power. The capacity we have to change the world resides not in a physical plant, but in the talents of the people in it. And so we need to continually renew that and train the, the people we have and make sure the lessons from those uh, retiring and leaving the field are instilled in, in the people entering it to do that which ICL is already doing. I was actually going to ask you a question, which is, you know, why does the community need ICL? But I think you just answered that. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, to, to amplify on that a little bit, the environmental movement does not have a strong internal capacity for training and leadership development. You know, you go to work for a Fortune 500 company and you can, you know, and you're bright and young and you get into some kind of a management track and you have mentors, and there are formal internal training programs. And if you stick with the company long enough, their investments in you pay off, and you become senior vice president of such and such because of the investment they made in you. We don't do that in our community. We are, by and large, small organizations running from the seat of our pants, by the seat of our pants, we are so focused on the immediate mission that we tend to give short shrift to long-term investments in our people. And that's why we need a group like ICL out there persistently, gently prodding us to remember to invest in, in our capacity. We're not going to save the environment this year or next year or the year after. This is a long-term effort which requires long-term capacity of the kind that ICL can help us develop internally. We can't do it ourselves. We don't do it ourselves. Oftentimes, uh, one of the roles of a leader is to understand the tensions that we have within organizations and the tensions we have within ourselves. And one of those is, is protecting ourselves from getting burned out. What do you do to, to sort of fill your cup? Uh, I know you just got back from a few days off, but beyond that, where do you go for inspiration? Where do you go to recharge? Where do you go to uh, sort of get uh, re-energized for the work? Part of what's kept me invigorated for 30 years in this movement is I don't take myself too, too seriously. I'm not a zealot. I passionately believe in what I do, but I also have respect for other forces in the world. I learned a long time ago that change in public policy is slow and hard because it should be slow and hard. I mean, the only thing worse than a government that acts 
really slowly and is hard to change is one that is unpredictable and changes all the time. I mean, there are people in war-ravaged third world countries with weak governments who would give anything to have a government as slow-moving as ours is. And I think it's important to appreciate that. We move slowly because we as citizens can achieve our potential much better when we live in a society with a predictable government. That's a very good thing. It also makes the work we do that much harder. And so I, I kind of I come to my work with that kind of an appreciation. So you've spent about 18 years now in Chicago, back in yeah. Chicago. This is your hometown? It is. What has the impact of ICL been on this city and perhaps the Great Lakes or perhaps the region? I don't have a good answer for that question. Okay. And part of the reason I don't have a good answer is it's the work ICL does is largely invisible. Even if I were closely monitoring your local activities, it's really hard to draw a straight line between the training that Kevin got, which led to the job that Kevin had, which led to Kevin doing particular kinds of advocacy that led to such and such change in public policy. It's really important work, but it's really hard to track. What was the impact of a particular, of of watering your garden last Saturday? Is that why your tomatoes taste so good right now? Who knows? On the other hand, it's pretty clear if you hadn't watered them, they'd probably be shriveled up and dead right now. That's a pretty good analogy. (laughs) Thank you. Just came to me. (laughs) I was curious what you you went to uh, one place when you talked about the experience with ICL early on in your career. You talked about it taught you how to think. Was that leadership or was that sort of uh, helping you understand how the world works? Let me answer it slightly differently. What that early training gave me was a much broader and better understanding of what an environmental career was. Heretofore, I had thought of myself as a water quality advocate. And the things I needed to know were how to get regulations passed in Rhode Island, how to understand the challenges of industrial pretreatment, how to understand what cadmium does to to an invertebrate creature. What ICL gave me was a much broader understanding that I was a piece of a much larger movement and that what I needed to learn to fulfill my potential in this movement was how to work effectively with other people, how to raise money for an organization, how to connect the needs of the environment with the interests of the public, how to, how to sustain an organization. It's not that I learned all of that in a week, but I learned the importance of those things. And so when opportunities came along to learn public speaking or financial management or fundraising, I understood why those were relevant to what I was doing and was able to avail myself of those opportunities. Is there anything else you want you know, the community to know about ICL or about the work that ICL has done or the work that ICL could be doing? The one area we haven't talked about so far is ICL's cutting-edge work in coalition work. And frankly, it's not an area I'm an expert in, but it's one I see people both struggling with and succeeding with all over the place. 
So I think ICL has really hit on an important piece of capacity building. The challenges we face are are multidimensional, involve complex geographies. And I think ICL is right on the mark in identifying this as an area where our movement needs to be more effective. And so I applaud the organization for moving in this direction and for the successes that it has, has already achieved in this important area. Kevin, thanks so All much. All right, thank Appreciate you. It. Investing in people, creating a framework for lifelong learning, and building capacity. Kevin's comments about the impact that ICL's leadership program had on him and his career are inspiring. Keep an eye out for more great episodes coming from ICL on the field. We'll be producing more great stories from the community and highlighting the great work that is being done to support the conservation sector. We'll see you all soon.